quick sound check. Everybody two, say something. Test, test, one, two. Mic check, one, two, one, two. Oh, Checking shit. Checking the mic. Checking the mic. Checking the mic. Oh, that was okay. It sound good to you? Yeah, sounds good. Checking yeah. the mic. <laughs> good to go? Let's do it. Wait, what What number is this? Uh, 90. Is it 90? Yeah, yeah. God damn. This mother podcast 90 coming at you from a fucking special location. <laughs> The green. Undisclosed, we can't actually uh, reveal what. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're coming at you from the grave of Leland Stanford Jr. at Stanford. Do you know who Leland Stanford University? It's it's probably who they named the university yes. after. Yes, but we have an even fucking more special guest. Fuck that little bastard, spoiled <laughs> piece of shit. He's dead. <laughs> He's been dead for like 140 years already. Um, we're at Stanford, and we have a special guest this week, fucking Jesus Trejo. Holy shit. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks Thank for you for having me. When you said special guest, I'm like, I wonder who it is. <laughs> it can't be me. He'll be here in 15 minutes. It's okay, this cool. guy. He's special needs. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been trying to get uh, Jesus Trejo here on the podcast for a minute now. We've been trying to catch him in L.A., but the guy is so hot right now. that it's too you... hot, man. I caught you right at the perfect time. I feel Hilarious. Like... <laughs> yeah. Been on the road a little bit, so that's been cool. But yeah, it's like I'm. I'm glad I we were able to make it happen here in at uh, Stanford. So. Yeah, it's funny. I told Sammy like a few days, or it was like a week ago. I was like, uh-huh. I saw it on my Facebook feed with. I have a lot of Stanford alumni friends, and actually, it's pretty dope. All my like Latin X Stanford uh-huh. crew, they were all sharing the thing on Facebook. Really? Yeah. Beautiful. It was awesome to yeah. see that. They're like, you know, come show up, and they like whenever they have these events, like they really try to promote and get people out. So after so that cool. was pretty dope. Um, and yeah. I told Sam, he's like, he's coming. We got to get him on the fucking podcast. That's awesome. Hell yeah. That reminds me, uh, we always ask our guests like what they identify as if you're Latino, Latinx, Mexican, Mexican-American, Chicano, Chicanx, Hispanic, uh, uh-huh. Hispanic-American. Navi. <laughs> Navi. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, Mexican-American. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm born and raised in Long Beach, California. My parents Hell are yeah. from Mexico. Yeah, yeah. My dad's from Sinaloa. My mom's from Jalisco. Nice. So, And I was born in Long Beach, and I didn't have command of the language until like uh, fifth grade, because I grew up in the environment of you know uh, the the immigrant American story. You know, yeah. The, when did know. your parents come over? What year? Um, they came in at different times. Like, uh, I think they came in in the late seventies. Okay. Yeah, late seventies is when they came in, and um, yeah, they they met out here. Hmm. I, I say they met on the on on the circuit. Tinder? <laughs> didn't have it back then. The party line. Something, uh, something just as good as is a circuit. My dad's a gardener. My mom was a maid, uh, a, a nanny, and uh, my mom was working at this uh, a residence. Uh, uh, that sounds like a porno, dude. Yeah. That sounds like a dope porn. <laughs> Not to belittle your parents' experience, but I've seen that. Well, it turned into that because here I am. You know? <laughs> but yeah, they met. Uh, they met out there, man. And, and, in and the in rest of Long Beach or in no, in Palos Verdes. Uh, they, um, my mom uh, was a nanny for this family. Uh, the last name is uh, Pasanaski, if I remember correctly. And my, and my dad used to service the lawn there oh, and, shit. and all the properties on that street. Uh-huh. And my mom was a nanny that worked with all the families in that oh, gated area. So that's where they met. That's crazy. You know, one day my, mo- my mom's cleaning the window. She looks out. My dad looks up. They see each other. The rest is history. That needs to be a fucking independent film or like a short hopefully, film. <laughs> hopefully yeah. 824 is listening. Let's do it. <laughs> I love what they're doing, man. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a indie movie. it's a movie Waiting to be fucking made. <laughs> La nanny. El jardinero. You don't worry, man. Don't worry. Look, you're good. Hello. Oh, awesome. There's soda and stuff in the fridge, Oh, this is great. Thank you. Appreciate it. 
Sorry about that. No, no worries. Oh shit, I'm getting. They just brought this guy like a fucking seven pounds of prime rib and <laughs> green M and M's. Six pounds, but who's uh, counting? Chardonnay. <laughs> Some of those natty lights, those flavored ones. <laughs> He's got a very specific rider. <laughs> Do you have a rider? Uh, rider is just two water bottles. You see them right there. That's it. Okay. That's my whole rider. I don't know what else to put in there. Uh, we can we can make one for you, dude. Okay. <laughs> it's gonna be gnarly. Right? Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, some uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Duvalines. There you go. Um, some pelones. <laughs> some saladitos. You can't find and, any of that shit anywhere around here. And four mazapanes. Nice, nice, nice. The ones that. So, so you grew up in Long Beach. Yeah, yeah. Long Beach, born and raised, man. What was your neighborhood like? Was it like Mexican American or? It was like uh, so. So Long Beach is is such a diverse, like awesome, uh, city. It's like a, they have the biggest populations of Cambodia Cambodians outside of Cambodia. It's a uh, Cambodian, Black, Mexican, and the further east you go, it's it's predominantly Caucasian. You yeah. Know? But the the specific area I grew up in was just. Uh, black Mexican Cambodian. Interesting. So yeah. you grew up with a lot of Cambodian friends. Yeah, a lot of Cambodian friends, and it was great, man. We'd go down to the park. I used to go to. They they ended up naming it uh, Cesar Chavez Park, and we yeah. used to go down there. And they had a rec room, and they had a basketball courts, and um, you know we'd go play soccer, foosball. You know they had a weight room in there. I'd go in there and try to lift weights, you know that kind of <laughs> thing. But it was great. It was it was very diverse, man. I loved it. We'd play basketball. It was yeah. It, it was a great place to grow up. I don't think I would have like changed the way I grew up yeah. by any means but it was it was a rough neighborhood rough yeah. damn so yeah. wait how, how old are you like when were when were you a kid like in these so I was uh, I, I grew up in like uh, like 21st street initially and then we moved to like the east side um, over by like uh, Magnolium 5th is where most of my upbringing was and it was rough man like I remember that now that area called the Pike. They used to be like back in the day. Used to be a wooden roller coaster. It was like the go-to place, huh. you know, beautiful place. And then it just went out of business. So I grew up remembering that place as an empty lot. Huh. And there used to be like the beach there. Nothing. It was like a old park, and no one would go there. It was hmm. just people scoring drugs and you know, um, just using and and it was bad. But we used to go down there skateboard. It's like. Mm-hmm. We had the time of our lives, and then they took that out, put the aquarium, and that gave way to everything else. Hmm. Aquarium by the Shoreline Village, mm-hmm. and then there was like they, they they built these like retail spaces. It was like um, they put the Laugh Factory there, the Long Beach Laugh Factory, right in hmm. front of the Long Beach Convention Center. But hmm. is that where like the Queen Mary and like all the yes. okay. Yeah, yeah, so I lived on Magnolia and Fifth. Magnolia is a street that takes you all the way up to like the uh, Queen Mary. Okay, so yeah, that whole area is where I grew up and it was rough now it's like a block away from where i i grew up there's a wine and cheese bar which i never thought i'd see the day <laughs> like that place was a trap you know <laughs> like it was a trap house what it was you know yeah. now it's like there's people walking dogs at night it's like That's man funny. it's like and and actually like a couple of weeks ago i drove by i'm like man i could not afford the rent in this area anymore it's just wow. so expensive it's like done up you know yeah. gentrified heavily yeah. So how did, like, I always wonder, like, because I grew up in a shitty neighborhood, so it was rough, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of friends who went down, like, that path. Sure. How did you stay out of trouble? Like, what were your parents like with you and, like... Well, my dad, my, I mean, my dad ruled with an iron fist, you know, so I, I think I was more afraid of my father than any 
hardened gang member <laughs> that I saw, and, and, and they were gnarly looking too. And, uh, but I, I think I just feared my dad, and I think the people-pleasing aspect of myself, you mm-hmm. know, that's instilled, it's a little bit of Catholic guilt and, <laughs> you know, afraid of letting somebody down. It's like to know that my dad's sacrifice would have been in vain, you know, him working so hard, having two jobs, and my mom working, you know, it's like, and joining a gang I think would have would have really let them down or, or, yeah. or not necessarily joining a gang, but going down that, you know, fast life, yeah. you know, would have really been a, you know, punch to the gut to my folks. So yeah. I stayed away. You know, I, I was in it, in and around the fire, you know, it's like yeah. I had friends that went down the wrong path. And yeah. I have a few friends that went down this path and that path. And it's like, so everyone kind of went in different directions. Some are not with us and some are doing amazing and some are, having a regular life which is beautiful too you know they yeah. have the wife the kids and they have a nice little apartment and they have a nice little job that they're happy with and so there's a little bit of everything and it's nice to see that yeah know? yeah yeah what um you're uh I, I did see on your instagram that you used to be a military man <laughs> i was an rotc and i don't know <laughs> i was an rotc and uh i was not cut out for that man. <laughs> not cut out for it uh i couldn't do push-ups <laughs> So they were like, I would get in trouble a lot because I couldn't hold bearing. You know, it's like they make you, you know, you know, really like uh, not laugh and, and listen. And every time they got serious, I thought it was the funniest thing. And I laughed like, do push-ups. And then I was like, I can't. And then they just had me stay there in the push-up position. And then until I was, I was basically planking, you know. Yeah. And uh, working on my abs, which in that picture that you saw, you you, you can see that I, I'd never had abs in my life. <laughs> um, but Yeah. Yeah, I was an ROTC. I did well academically towards like the end of my schooling, like high school. But, yeah. And I got in there and I did really well. And I thought I was going to join the military, the Shit. Navy, you know, because I, because uh, he said if I joined, I could go in as an E three. Hmm. And um, but my mom was like, "No, you're an only child. It's like I, I need you to help, you know, yeah. us." It's like don't do it. And you know, recruiters were were coming to our apartment to convince my parents and my dad was like, Oh, I don't like this. And my mom was like crying every time. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll go to college. You know, yeah. yeah, that's the path I ended up taking. So when did you graduate? What year did you graduate from high school? Oh, four. Okay. Wilson high school. Yeah. Yeah. Wilson high school, man. And did you, at that time you went to college, what were you thinking you were going to do with your like career or what? I mean, did you always, were you always funny or a fucking class clown or what? Like, no, I'm very, I'm very much an introvert. I mean, I was very, I was very shy. I, I, I didn't want to, uh, rough any feathers. I don't like confrontation. I I I hated you know being in front of the class. But I was always like kind of doing travesuras, as they say. You know, just doing dumb things. I would get in trouble a lot. But yeah. it was like me doing dumb things. Like, why would you do that? I'm like, oh, I thought it was hilarious. And you know, but um, yeah, I went to college. Uh, so in high school, I was already working with computers and stuff like that. So I was doing like. Um, like stuff like this, I would like take apart. You know, it's like a camera. I'd go in there and take apart, and I studied schematics and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So it's like I learned to read, you know, resistors, you know, the color bands and that kind of stuff. So I was doing like computer diagnostic stuff. So I was like fixing computers for the school at one point, you huh. know, because I was in that program. So I would go. It was like Intel Pentium threes that we would take apart <laughs> and put, you know, more memory, add hard drives and that kind of stuff. And so in my head, I'm like, I'm gonna go into um, engineering work you mm-hmm. know electrical engineering software engineering and then in college i got up to like calculus too i'm like oh that was tough 
I'm glad I finished it. And then they're like, differential equations. I'm like, I'm good. So yeah. I got the hell out of it. I'm like, I'm not doing this. I, I couldn't. It, it, I'm a slow learner. So that was like very tough for me. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go. I, I want to graduate in record time. And I graduated in four years with uh, business administration marketing. Nice. Yeah. It's dope. Nice. And did you do any comedy in college or? Uh, in college is where I started. So I started comedy when I was 20. And um, so I started, uh, I went into a bar that I shouldn't have been at, you know, and I asked to go on. They said no. And then I'm like, well, if I come back next week and they're like, all right, if you can get past the bouncer. And I just got there early, you know, <laughs> and I waited for him in the back. It was a big bar on, on Anaheim. It's not there no more. And uh, it's called uh, Liquid Lounge, I think. Yeah, Liquid Lounge. And um, they let me go up and I bombed very hard hmm. the first time, like very bad. Dropped the mic, broke it. It was a wireless one. Um, <laughs> dropped the mic, like tipped over the what, mic. What stand. kind of shit were you talking about back then? Like what was your set like? like well, as I a thought year old? I was going to do 20 minutes of, I mean 20 minutes, five minutes of material. I ended up doing a minute and a half, like a hot garbage set of a minute and a half. <laughs> uh, the first joke I wrote, because I remember I opened up the, the newspaper and they were doing something with the uh, death penalty. And it was like one of the last few people who got to choose what they ate as a last meal. Uh-huh. And I think the guy ordered like a crazy amount of ice cream. And the other one had like a like a big rack of like uh, ribs or something. Uh-huh. And uh, so I kind of set it up. I explained that. And then I said, if I was in that situation, I would order a Red Bull because I heard it gives you wings. Crickets. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's pretty tight. Oh, really? Oh, man, I wish you were there that night, man. I wish you were there, man. Uh, nobody laughed. And, like, and then I talked about traffic cones, how I never understood how they put traffic cones so close to a car. Um, that That's like hitting something and then yelling, uh, horn. And that didn't get a laugh. But in my head, I'm like, I'm going to kill him with this joke. That's all I remember, really. Uh, but yeah, that... that uh, what, what what inspired you to want to do um, stand up like that, or wh- who were you like? What's well, interesting because it's like as as a you know Mexican American, it's like you know there's a, f- a famous saying that uh, the India Maria has neither aquí ni allá, mm-hmm. nor here nor there. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so for me it was interesting because I grew up, you know, watching Cantinflas, uh, India Maria. Uh, Chespirito, that kind of stuff, and I was just so enamored with it. But as I got older and started learning English more, um, I started finding out who Paul Rodriguez was, uh, uh, Louis Anderson, because he had that cartoon back in the day, Life with Louis, mm-hmm. and then um, Howie Mandel, Life with uh, uh, Bobby's World. Bobby, right, right. You know, so it's like, oh, and and then you know to find out that they did stand up, I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Then you know, of course, George Lopez. You know, with somebody the God, I, the God. You know, it's like <laughs> it, it essentially it was like the first time that I could identify wholeheartedly, you know, with with what he was saying because my family was living a lot of those experiences. Mm-hmm. Like I remember one joke specifically, which was, he's like, the only time we go to Mexico is when we have a family member that's ill. Mm-hmm. He's like, my mom's dying. He would say in the joke, and I was just like, I thought it was so funny because at the time, we were going to Tijuana because we had a family member that was sick in the hospital in Tijuana and we would go every weekend and mm. it's like it just resonated like he I felt like he spoke my truth and you know from there it went into Ronnie Dangerfield Mitch Hedberg Dave Attell um, Brian Regan I mean everything you know it's like I, I just became a uh, enamored with it fascinated and, mm-hmm. and yeah addicted to this thing yeah a stand-up that we know what well, sure. did, did you have any sort of 
like self-education how did you fucking like did you read books like how did you really like how did you come up with this red bull joke <laughs> uh, i wouldn't call it it's very generous that you call it a joke uh, um, but yeah it's like uh i spent a lot of time growing up in the library so there was a main library that was in downtown long beach a huge library and i had never seen anything like it and i, I would go there my mom used to drop me off sometimes when she went to go work mm. And then she'd come pick me up. So I was there for like eight to nine hours a day yeah. during the summer, you know, because my dad would work. And my dad would take me to work sometimes, but I'd be like, oh, I have homework. And I sometimes didn't. I just didn't want to go work. You yeah, know? yeah. So they're like, all right, you're going to the library. I'm like, that's fine with me. So I just started picking up a lot of stuff, you know, played chess. There's like a little park there. And there's a lot of homeless people that live there. And I used to go over there and play chess with those guys. Then I'd come back in the library. <laughs> <laughs> and I would check out these uh, VHSs. It was like Def Jam and, you know. Uh, old comedy specials, you know, and I would get to take them home, you know, but I could also see them there. Yeah. So what I would see at the library was like Def Jam, stuff that was a little offbeat that, you know, my mom and dad could pick up on certain words. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. cuss words. And like, what do you watch? And turn it off, you know? <laughs> and I would take the cleaner stuff home and, and, and watch it, you know. But that's that, that was my research. And yeah, um, writing, I always... From a young age, I remember I used to watch like uh, Don Francisco. Yeah. And they would have comedians that would come on and they would tell jokes in Spanish, jokey jokes, you know, mm. uh, Pepito jokes, that kind of stuff. Sure. And uh, I would write them down. I had a notebook and I cataloged everything they they said. And and I don't know how to read. Uh, at the time, I didn't know how to read or write in Spanish because my parents don't know how to read or write in, in their own language, you know. Wow. So I would just kind of like write it down like as best I could in yeah. English. <clears throat> just so I can translate them in my head. It was just enough to get me going. Uh, but I cataloged them, and I think that that obsession with writing stuff down kind of helped as I dove into comedy. I have a real problem writing stuff down. Like, like I find myself writing a lot. Like, my room's covered in, in paper. Like, if you walk in there, like, oh, this guy's a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it served me well. It was the thing that served me well. And between watching this and writing everything kind of came together in comedy. That's dope. Um, that's maybe a good segue of, uh, you're, we're talking about how you're on the come up as a really dope stand-up comedian. Oh, I think you a... think I'm somebody else. I'm <laughs> no, no, supposed uh, to have somebody else. He's <laughs> almost here. I'm almost the wrong here. guy. <laughs> uh, but you've also been doing stand-up in Spanish, right? You do, yeah. which not a lot of, or I mean, at least people in the American comedy scene right. or whatever. How, maybe talk about that. How how's that been going? Because that's super fucking cool or interesting that yeah that you've been able to cross over into Spanish. Yeah, I feel very fortunate and lucky because again, Spanish is my first language. But you know, my dad would always say, "Is like as as I was growing up, my dad would say, like uh, you're forgetting a lot of the Spanish. You know, you're speaking a lot of English and mm. you're forgetting Spanish. You know, mm. it's like you can't speak English or Spanish. Well, you're gonna end up mute." He would say. <laughs> Do you have like an impression of your dad? Can you like have him? You like what would he say? How would he say this? To Literally, you? this sums up my dad. It's not even a word; it's a sound. My, but you can sum him up w with this here. It's literally like, damn it! It's like yeah. everything was bad. Everything was bad. I yeah. could not impress. It's just like otra vez. As pendejo. Yeah, it's like if you heard the first, you knew the next thing was not good. Right. You know. But yeah, it's like I, I feel very fortunate to be able to cross over into Spanish. And, you know, I had gone because, um, uh, you, you know, Netflix, I, I think with the advent of having like a streaming services now that kind of put 
you know, comedy specials up. You know, I was familiar with, you know, comedians like, you know, Carlos Vallarta and, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. So so I went to Mexico and I took my parent, my mom. It was right before she got her uh, brain surgery. She had like a, a, a brain tumor and she wanted to go to Mexico as a almost like a mitzvah of sorts, like a pilgrimage yeah. to the Basilica. I had never gone to Mexico up until that point. Really? Never. And uh, my mom was like, I, I would like to go to the Basilica before the surgery because I don't know how this is going to go. Damn. And then after doing like research, I'm like, oh, fuck, there's a there's a 50-50 chance here of things going well and not. Yeah. So we made the trip. We did that. And while I was there, I looked up comedy rooms to, to do. And, and it's not there no more. And it's a, it's a fucking shame. In uh, Mexico City? Yeah, in, in, in Mexico City, there was a venue called El, El Foro Shakespeare. And they had like five rooms. There was like a 200-seater, a 15-seater, a 50-seater. Like it was just an amazing... And, and they did a lot of theater there. But at night, it converted into the closest thing I've seen to the comedy store, which has three Shit. rooms, you know? Right. It was just very impressive. And um, so I, I went there. I, I You know, beforehand, I'm reaching. I'm like, hey, can I get up? I just want to do five minutes, you know, that kind of thing. How so long I, ago was this? This is like 2013. Team. And you had written jokes in Spanish at this point? Uh, I, I, I translated stuff, oh, like shit. my earlier jokes of like being an only child and uh-huh. my grandmother having 21 kids, you know, so <laughs> I translated that. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I also had some standalone stuff, you know, mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh, oh, this is funny, you know, kind of doing the approach of stand-up to, doing the stand-up approach, but, you know, original bits that I couldn't do in English maybe, you know? Yeah. So I did it and they gave me 10 minutes and it went really well and I couldn't believe it. And then uh, I went back again, and I took my homie Damar, who's from Compton, and I'm like, you want to go? He's like, I'm down. Let's do it. And we went, and I did the run of shows there, and I was hooked. And I was like, when can I come back? And then you know, I started doing shows in L.A., which now is like there's a group that we've kind of come together. And you know, I reached out to Francisco Ramos, who's from Venezuela, Francis- uh, Fabricio Copano, who's from Chile. That's right, yeah. Very successful comic in, in, in Chile and moved out here. Right. And um, so the three of us kind of have this show called Trifecta <laughs> that we do at the Hollywood Improv in the little lab room. That's you know, dope. Capacity it's all, like and it's all Spanish. Completely in Spanish stand-up, you know. And uh, we've been able to kind of work on our bits, but now that transferred into me going, you know, to Mexico now. So I've been doing a lot more shows. I translated the hour that I have now, which I'm taping my first one-hour special for Showtime, November 2nd. Tight. So nice. I don't know when this comes out, but... Please uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, whatever. I'm going to release a ticket. What's your handle? Just really. Uh, at Jesus Trejo and a number one for Instagram. Uh-huh. And Twitter is at Jesus Trejo. Tight. And um, we're going to release a link. So my first one hour special for Showtime is happening November 2nd. Where are you filming it? Uh, El, El Portal uh, Theater in North Hollywood. Tight. Uh, 7 o'clock and a 9.30 show. So there's going to be two shows. And... Um, the dream is to me be able to record that and do it in Spanish because I've always had this idea kind of like the book The Alchemist that book was translated much like other books have been translated to so many languages right. but it's the same material you can get a double life out of you know yeah. so do, that's my hope do you feel like you have to write a certain type of joke or, or tell a, a story a certain way that's maybe perhaps a little more universal so that it does work in both languages or do you have because like, there's a lot of jokes that are very, very specific to a culture or to uh, yeah. a thing like that. Like, how do you think about that when you're writing? Well, are you thinking about it that way? It's, it's interesting because you know you're an English major, right? So it's like you're when you move from English to Spanish, you're you're like 
now working with a different set of tools, like you have do- double entendres are different, similes and metaphors are different. You course, know, so yeah. it's like you're you you have a new toolkit, and that's exciting. Because how do I convey this premise that I do in English that I know works so well in Spanish? So that to me is like the puzzle that's so fascinating to me mm. that I'm like, man, this is great to find out how this works. And you know, some jokes like, you know, wordplay. Um, you know, wordplay is like different you know so it's like you're even the cadence is different you know For it's sure. like you know este, me fui a la casa manejando un carro rojo it's like in english is like you maybe say it in a different way it's like uh manejé un carro rojo a la casa that makes sense in spanish but it's like i'm going home in a red car mm-hmm. so it's like having to switch stuff in the moment i think is is mm. is, is really cool it's mm. like working on your left almost you know like basketball <laughs> Do you, uh, is it you said your dad was from Sinaloa? Yeah, and your mom's from Jalisco. Well, uh, yeah, well, Jalisco. So, is there any like any like uh, specific shit that that they say from Sinaloa or Jalisco that influences the the way that you say shit or like the slang from there? Yeah, I I think I I kind like of have my shit father's that El Chapo uses. Yeah, <laughs> I think I have my father's. Uh, um, you know Modo, how do you say modos or yeah modos or el accento you know uh-huh. um, el accento el el como se dice como más los dichos los dichos yeah. y dichos vergas <laughs> but it's más bien es like colloquialisms and, yeah. right. and regionalisms right, that right. kind of exist uh-huh. for people from that region you know it's like you know for kids I always would say plebillos you know plebes yeah right you know? it's like and my mom would say niños right you know? yeah or, Sometimes people say morros or morros, chamacos, yeah. chamacos, squinkles, yeah. squinkles, yeah. So it's like there's a very, you know, there's a lot of ways of saying it. But what's interesting about Spanish, at least working with, you know, Fabricio, right, and uh, Francisco, is that they have different words all together. For sure. So as I'm as I'm like doing comedy with them, there's certain things that it's like when you're reading a book and you don't know what a what a word is. But based on the words around it, you're like, I can figure out what this sure. is. So as they're saying stuff, it's like, oh, okay, that's what that is. Um, so the, yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's like a whole new world that kind of opened up for me, and I'm, it's very exciting to. How does the crowd like? If you're doing these shows in LA, I'm guessing it's predominantly Mexican American. Yeah, and there's audience. some Chilenos too that that have been coming out, Venezolanos. Um, Salvadorians as well, yeah. you know. So, but it, it's got to be interesting for as for as an audience member to be thrown into this mix of three very distinct but yes. similar cultures, like and the Mexican being the better one. <laughs> <laughs> I take it you're Mexican. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, it's 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 um, yeah, it's it's. I don't know how to explain it, but it works out. You know, yeah. it, it works out in the wash, and it's like a comedy show. If you go to a comedy show on on the road, it's like there's an opener, there's a middle, and a headliner. And mm-hmm. I think it serves that 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 vehicle is manifested differently in this situation in, in this show because it's like you have three Spanish speaking people that if you're not gonna resonate with one, you're gonna hopefully resonate with the other. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's 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 serving that. And to be honest, we we, we were talking about it. You know. Francisco Fabricio and I, I, again, we were talking about this thing that it's like growing up. Well, a lot of my peers in comedy, they, they, they have this thing where they're like, oh, man, I, I used to go watch uh, comedy shows with my mom or my dad. You know, we would go see uh, Jerry Seinfeld and that kind of stuff. As a Mexican-American, I never had that opportunity because yeah. those comedians wouldn't come here. I mean, like Jorge Falcón, stuff like that. But we never had that opportunity. So 
we want to create that where you know Spanish like millennials you know English and Spanish they're able to bring their parents that don't speak maybe English yeah. to a comedy show and have that moment you know where you could say hey we went to a comedy show and what's crazy is the second show there was a guy who brought his mom and his sister and uh, the woman you know his mom comes up very sweet lady she's like mijo you know you know muchas gracias por hacer esto siempre hemos buscado la manera dice él le encanta la comedia dice pero like i don't understand anything yeah so it's like for me to come to this and know what my son is so enamored about yeah it's like means the world and we're like ah you know? <laughs> nice. it was it was such a cool thing it yeah. was like an, i don't know maybe we can be like the people that kind of started and hopefully there's a better more talented comic that comes along and can take it somewhere else you know we're all going to do our part to make it you know, yeah. a thing in LA. That's dope that there's a that there's an audience in LA in America that go to Spanish speaking shows like this. They're starting to, but it's it's been hard. I mean, really? I mean, yeah, it's like the first show that we had. We had like twenty people, and we're like, this is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And then they went in, uh, and they're like, let's let's get started. I'm like, well, hold on. I'm like, I don't think they know that this is a Spanish show. They thought it was a Latino comic. Oh shit! So uh-huh. we asked. You know, we went around and started asking, and it was like some Australian people that were just tourists in LA. <laughs> so we ended up with two people. And oh, they asked shit. us, they said, You're going to lose a lot of it, a, a, a lot of the audience. Yeah. Why don't you guys do it in English now? Next one, you do it in Spanish. And Fabrizio was like, No, we got to start now, no matter what. We have to start now. And we did, and we had two people in the audience. What year was that? When, when did y'all start? Uh, it's, 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 we're, we're coming up on a year, actually. Time, we, oh, this is fucking brand new. That's yeah, dope. Yeah. It, it's a year of us consistently mm-hmm. doing once a month, and we're getting more dates now. We're yeah. going have to you, jump next week to, uh, I mean, next week, next year to twice a month. That's sick. Have your, have your parents seen you do um, comedy in Spanish? Not in Spanish, not yet. You don't, you're scared? Or? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it took me a while to bring my parents to bring me, uh, to bring them to see me do in English. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I would have, yeah, I'm, I'm going to wait a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about them a lot in your comedy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, and now they know, it's like they know certain bits. I've told them, it's like, I'm saying this, I'm saying that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, my big closer is like me running a marathon and I talk about that experience that I had with my father explaining to him running a marathon, you know, so he's well aware of it. I just, uh, I don't know, I just like, I'm going to hold off a little bit. I, I want it to be like a nice show. Yeah. It's like, because I don't want them to see the growing pains because it's already For hard. Sure. Right, right, Trying right. to make them understand what I do. And I don't want them to come over and, and shit on this one too. Because they, <laughs> they did that with English. That, so. that noise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah, man, get a real job. (laughs) So that's like definitely one niche and one pocket that you guys are diving into. But I feel like you also have been actually really successful at kind of going mainstream. And you've been on like a lot of, you've had a lot of national TV exposure. Um, What do you think like has helped that? Because I think it's challenging as a Latino to get that mainstream exposure, right? It's tough because, I mean, certainly the roles that... Oh, shit. Oh, sorry. I'll wrap it up pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hello. Did you get utensils for your salad? Uh, I, I, I did. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. They just brought him another big fucking steak. <laughs> Gold-plated uh, uh, utensils here. They said if I had utensils, it's like an hour later after I got the <laughs> <laughs> Um So crossing into mainstream, like, you know, as a Latino or Mexican-American, whatever you want to say, like, I mean... You've gotten like a lot of national TV exposure. You were on the was it Bring the Funny? Yeah, Bring the Funny. I did um, Netflix uh, Mystery Iglesias. You know, did that. Sullivan and Son was the first one that I did. That was uh, you know produced by uh, Peter Billingsley and and uh, Vince Vaughn. And I 
played a bar patron and you know a lot of tiger little, belly yeah tiger belly i did that and it's i i attribute it to being at the comedy store because mm. it's like i was because when i started i'm like oh i gotta go do latino rooms because i'm latino that's where we go you know <laughs> but as you start coming up you're like oh there's a little more to it you know and i just had this conversation in the hallway with with the stage manager um you know like chris rock he's not regarded as a black comic he's regarded as a comic sure dave Chappelle is a comic not yeah. a black comic, you know? Yeah. And I think with, with Latino comedies, like, sometimes we get pigeonholed. Mm. And these guys are very funny. I mean, it's not taking anything away, but they're Latino comics. And it's like, it almost feels like you're a second-class performer, mm. you know, which is unfortunate. And, and that happens a lot in, you know, with music and this and that. They try yeah, to pigeonhole yeah. you. So I, I, I think in, in, in trying to do that, it's like stylistic choice, um, you know, wanting to go down the path of a more critical thinker almost like it's, it's, it's like you look like a uh, at a guy like bill burr he's not a sure. anything else he's a comic yeah. you know so yeah. it's like you try to so being at the comic store you see that you know yeah. we were able to see that and how did that come about though i mean because it's not easy to get into the comedy store it's not like you fucking, oh, it's walked fucking in there. tough man yeah <laughs> the first time i went there was with my buddy uh, uh raul garcia and we checked it out and and the first time that I saw it live was just crazy, but I had I had known about the comedy store and you know just researching you know it's like me being in, in high school and just kind of googling stuff and this is the early stages of like the internet I guess you know so yeah. there wasn't a whole lot of information but right. I was definitely familiar with the comedy store I mean Richard Pryor comes out of there Shit, and, yeah, yeah. you know legends Jim Carrey yeah um, yeah and and you know, me wanting to be a part of that place and then, you know, went on the road. There was a comic, a um, uh, very funny comic, I'm sure you guys heard of him, uh, Steve Trevino. <laughs> you know, he was the one that's like, hey man, you should like get in there, you know? Yeah. He's like, try to get a job there. I'm like, oh, I never really thought about that, you know, but I did and I went, I went for a year straight begging to get a job there, man. Damn. And I finally got the job and I was a door guy there. I parked cars, mopped floors, cleaned bathrooms just for stage time. You know, three minutes of the stage time is all I got a week. And I did it, and I did it, and then before before long, I was on the road with Pauly Shore, you know. Yeah. So that was another interesting thing because <laughs> L.A., you're performing at the comedy store, and it's a diverse audience. There's a lot of tourists that come in. Australia is a lot of Australians that go to the comedy store. What the hell? <laughs> well, people from all over the world. Right. It's like the world famous comedy right, store. Right. Right. But now me going on the road with Pauly Shore, I'm now performing in Des Moines, Iowa, <laughs> Mobile, Alabama, uh, Wyoming. You know. Um, Salt Lake City. So now I'm exposed to an audience that I never would have been exposed to. But now, if I want to go up there and talk about being Mexican, it has to be in a way that's going to be understood. Universal. Universal. Yeah. yeah. So you can talk about whatever you want. Just make it universal and understood where you're not alienating anyone in the audience. Yeah. So I learned that because I bombed like like a motherfucker <laughs> on the road. <laughs> that's kind of out of necessity. You yeah, it's yeah. like tertiary yeah. markets that you're like... They don't. Yeah. They, this is probably the first time they've seen a, a Latino, or their perception is off and very racist. So it's like, how do I change that? And how, you know, how do I not tap dance? You know, yeah. right. to, to to these people. Right, you know? right. But be funny, you know. And I, I learned the hard way. But Argus Hamilton, one of the uh, comics there at the store, he's been he's been on the Tonight Show more times than any comedian ever. Mm. You know, uh, one thing he would always say, and I just it, it stuck with me, was that there's a whole country in between. Uh, LA in California and New York City. He said, there's a whole country in between. 
he's like, and those are the people that that will make a show go into syndication, and mm, you know, it's yeah. like there's there's a whole country, so it's yeah. like how, how can you relate to those people? Yeah. And um, you can talk about anything; it just needs to be done correctly, and the road and the stage will not lie to you. If it's funny, <laughs> it's funny. If it's not, yeah, they won't laugh. Tight, tight. So what's next, dude? What are your what's? I mean, you're doing the Showtime thing. Yeah, November second, Showtime yeah. special, seven and nine thirty. If you guys are around, ticket link's gonna go up really soon. Actually, uh, probably in the coming week. That'd be dope. Actually, they yeah. can go to. Yeah, yeah. So if you guys want to come in, um, yeah. yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk after. Get you guys on the thing. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that there's uh, seats for you guys there. Appreciate right, it, man. And yeah. then um, yeah, so that's that's the next thing. And and bigger picture, like, what do you want to do? Do you do you kind of see yourself career like wise producing? Going in? I like to produce stuff. I, I'm I'm a big fan of documentaries and, and and that kind of stuff. And there was a documentary that AARP did on on me being a caregiver to my folks because yeah. right, they, yeah. they both dealt with you know cancer and, and that kind of thing and me following comedy. So uh, doing the film circuit on that, but it's like that opened my eyes into producing, which yeah. I would love to do. Uh, acting more acting stuff and yeah, I like to have a TV show you know yeah. it's like I like to have a TV show in, in some capacity yeah. but specials if it came down to one thing I just want to be able to put special after special out and and, and, and build that library you know yeah. Of, of, of specials that's what it comes down to right. last question super quick yeah, um, sure. in our research we heard that um, or I don't know if we misheard or didn't know but mm-hmm. we heard that as a kid he used to collect cockroaches is that true hilarious <laughs> how do you guys know that we did our research bro <laughs> wait how do you know that <laughs> How do you know that? That's creepy. <laughs> I used to put them in little jars. Yeah, I used to Hell put them in little, yeah. and, and my dad was like, "Kill them, like step on them." Like I can't. And I like, <laughs> would save them all and go to the yard and release them. And my dad's like, "I can't believe you won't fucking kill a fucking cockroach, man." It's very noble of you. Hell yeah, that's yeah. crazy. How do you know that? That's. <laughs> We we heard you did a documentary for PETA on the uh, treatment, not only AARP, but you're representing PETA in the ethical treatment of cockroaches. Are, are they in the insect department? Now? I thought it was animals. Tight, man. All right, well, people, please check out Jesus Trejo on Instagram, on Twitter. You said at Jesus Trejo one on Instagram. Yeah, at Jesus Trejo. And the number one Instagram, Twitter. But if you just go to jesustrejo.com, you'll find all the links there and nice. uh, uh, upcoming tour schedule. Nice, man. Appreciate Thanks for your time, it. dude. Thanks, hey, thank you, man. You Thanks for coming to our hood and for the time, dude. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah, it. thank you guys. Yeah.